Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life around the table today. Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring. I always start with you because you're my favorite. Well, I'm directly across <laughs> from you. So. Everybody's directly across from me. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. Technically, so, Russ is directly across yeah, from Yeah, technically. <laughs> I, I guess I'm kind of happy to be here <laughs> after that. <laughs> Josh always just kind of leaned into the corner so, right. the, right. so he can see the whole room. That's right. And then uh, Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. Thank you for having That's me. It's a mouthful. Um, yes, it is. All right, so... We That's been, why they say RPCNA. Yeah, right, RP. well, but for Treasure you Valley it's TV RPCNA. TV RPC. <laughs> See the TVRP. well. The well is TVRP. so easy. The well just right. calls Treasure Valley. <laughs> All right. So we've been looking at the state of theology from Ligonier Ministries. This is a survey they release every two years. Thirty-three questions. They surveyed three thousand Americans, given theological statements on the temperature of. That's a scowl. What's up? No scowl. <laughs> I I just want to just remind our listeners we we're not going through the state of theology somehow to scold you or discourage you or mm-hmm. to we, what we were really hoping is that this encourages you to kind of go back to God's word and say okay what do I believe and why do I believe it can mm-hmm. my beliefs be substantiated from the word of God and this is why I mean every every person in this room is confessional there's a reason for that that we believe that the confessions help us stay faithful yeah. help us stay biblical um, we don't worship our confessions. We don't put our faith in our confessions. We put our faith in God and in His Word, and we believe that the confessions are a, a wonderful guide rail right. to keep us from error. Um, so I would just strongly encourage you not to to see this as an admonishment in in a in a negative way, but an admonishment in a good way to say, okay, go back to the Word yeah. and and know why these things are true. Yeah. The the confessions work kind of like that rumble strip on the highway, yeah. you know, when you, when you <laughs> oh, yeah. wake up, <laughs> wake up, get right back in the middle, or or the, my or kids the, love when I hit those. Yeah, I know. Or, <laughs> or or when you take your children to the bowling alley and they put the bumpers in there, right. you, you know, yeah. so that the ball will go down the middle. By the way, if you want a devotional experience of the confessions, there's a new book that Jonathan Gibson just released. It's called Be Thou My Vision. Pretty easy to remember. 31 devotional days, and it takes you through kind of a, a liturgy, and there's a the Heidelberg or the Westminster in there, and you can read them devotionally and pray through them, and it's a way to experience the mm-hmm. confessions in a, in a more worshipful way than just kind of a you know scholarly or kind of stoic way. Helpful stuff. All right. Um, All right. Wasn't trying to derail, but I just hope to yeah. set the the framework from which we're approaching this. We're yeah. approaching this with a pastor's heart, not a 
disciplinarian that's right mindset that's right mm. all right so we've been looking at the doctrine of god uh, we've looked at the trinity and um, the son of god and the holy spirit of course we'd encourage you to go back and listen to this podcast but we're going to continue on the holy spirit today statement 11 says the holy spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the bible the holy spirit can tell me to do something which is forbidden in the bible now as a whole, evangelicals actually did pretty well on this question. Only 11% agreed that the Holy Spirit can contradict the Bible. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I, on that level, they're in agreement with uh, James one thirteen that says that let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, you know, because God can't tempt anyone. So there's a, you know, on that level, they they get an A and they get a pat, uh, you know, an attaboy because they're agreeing with scripture there. Yeah. You know, the, you know, God is not going to contradict himself. The greater question is how does the Holy Spirit guide us? Right. And uh, and that's that's the question that because people will often say things like God told me. Yeah. You know, what do they mean by that? Yeah. You know, that oftentimes that sets I, off I some was red led flag. I was led to do to this. do this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, and they're asking the, questions like, yeah, "What uh, is the yeah, will yeah. of God for I my think, life?" Yeah. And, they're, and they're waiting like for some fleece. Moment. Well, and, and you know, I mean, even, even people who are doing something that is morally wrong, and the Bible's been very clear about that. You know, whether it's you know through the maybe they're divorcing a spouse and saying, you know, you know, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that just happened right there, so I'm not exactly sure where to yeah, jump in. We're setting up the conversation. That's right. right. So maybe it's just helpful to, to just pause and just even think about the idea of the will of God, a phrase that sometimes can be confusing. They're really different wills of God that people mean when they use that phrase. So there is the will of God that that is his ordained will, what must come to, to pass, what God has um decreed then there is the the will of god that is his moral will what he desires from his people with regard to what he has commanded in his word and then there's the will the third use that's really not necessarily a biblical idea but it is how we use the will of god most generally and how is god directing with regard to what does god desire from me with regard to should I wear a blue shirt today or a red shirt? Should I eat raisin ban or cornflake? Should I date this person or not? Should I go to this college or that college? Should I take this job or that way? And that's primarily how people utilize the phrase will of God. And that's probably, I would say, not a biblical usage. Well, oftentimes what happens in, in my experience, I mean, you guys' experience might be different, but oftentimes when people, I, mean, I was just meeting with a brother yesterday in my office and he was, man, what is the will of God for my life? He used the language of putting fleeces out, you know, and yet just after a few minutes of talking with him, I, I could hone in on two or three things that he was clearly walking against the will, the revealed will of God in scripture. And I think it's, it's perhaps ironic that we would desire uh, to know what what God's hidden will for my for my life is when we're not even willing to follow the revealed will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would God give you that information if if you have information that's clear that you're not even following? Kevin DeYoung has a helpful book called Just Do Something, and in that book he talks about the fact of just ask yourself the simple question: Does God's word deal with moral decisions or non moral decisions? 
where is the primary attention of Scripture given? And mm-hmm. the obvious and overwhelming answer is that the Word of God deals with moral issues, yep. not with non-moral. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Christianity broadly, what you'll find is the vast majority of people are actually spending most of their time on non-moral decisions yep. mm-hmm. and not on the moral decisions of the Word of God. Well, and and and, and they're almost stymied from doing anything because they, they're afraid that they're going to do something wrong on those non-moral issues, you know, in terms of, you know, choosing a college, you know, where would you like to go um, is really a good question. (laughs) Or even in trying to find a spouse. I mean, you mentioned dating. I mean, you could, you could have someone that is very convinced, like God is telling me that I need to marry you. And that person could say, no, God God is making it very clear. I'm not to marry you. So, you know, who's right. And, it comes down to, I mean, if you've got, you know, two godly people, you know, and there's no real, you can, what's your preference? Which one do you like more? So what the idea is, really the fundamental question is, how does how does the Holy Spirit lead his people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit leads his people by the principles and teachings of the word. Yep. And this is circling back to the question. And so do you want to know the will of God? Be in God's word. Understand the principles of God's word. Understand the character of God and reflect that in your life. I mean, the idea is that we're to be conformed to the image of of the Son and that that we're to be transformed by the word to to live in conformity to Jesus Christ. And the Spirit is given to enable and equip us to walk in that way. And want, yeah. What, what, how does it go? If you want to hear from God, read the Bible. If you want to hear from God audibly, read it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bible's called in Ephesians six the sword of the spirit. Yeah. And in the author of the Hebrews, you know, when quoting the Psalm, says the Holy Spirit says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's if we want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we want to hear the voice of God. We yeah. read His Word. Second Peter one says. A very similar thing at the end of the chapter for no prophecy or no scripture was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit mm-hmm. as we read the word of god we're reading words that men wrote that men wrote because they were inspired infallibly by the holy spirit this these are the holy mm-hmm. spirit's words that are in front of us i can't remember who said it and this is a paraphrase i'm probably butchering it but the idea well, that, that, that is a great setup. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but, probably try to blow this one. <laughs> but but the gist of it is, I mean, if if God is telling you, quote unquote, to do something, if it's already in His Word, then it's it's not. I mean, you, you don't need it. It's it's in His Word. Should or I, should you I evangelize the lost? Right. Should we send missionaries? Should we uh, raise up elders and deacons? Or if it's contradictory, it's not Him. Right. So mm-hmm. so what I, I like to say it. when people. My people in my church hear me say this all the time. When somebody says to you, God led me to this, or God told me to do this, just simply ask the question, chapter and verse. Mm-hmm. So you cannot godify a decision that you made by just slapping God's name on it. Yeah. Right. God, like that. God like- told me that I'm supposed to go to take a church in South Dakota. No, don't blame God. I wanted to take a church in South Dakota. So so what happens is we hide behind these Christian phraseologies and we don't take ownership of decisions we're making. Mm-hmm. But, but just to, to, qualify to clarify, that, yes. uh, we don't, we're not saying that uh, 
as reformed people that we're not experiencing the Holy Spirit. We experience the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit all the time. Well, I mean, just I'm reading through Genesis right now. I've read through Genesis a ton, and and I'm getting brand new. It's always been it's always been there illumination that the Holy Spirit's given me into the text that I'm learning. Okay, you you just used uh, you've you've used several words since we've been here. Inspiration. That's what you know. God God's inspired word. It's God breathed out. It's it's His. You know, verbally and fully, that's God's word. Illumination is an act of the Holy Spirit where he's revealing from his word yeah. what we need to know. Yeah. And every time we preach, we get up and we ask for the Holy Spirit's illumination that so mm-hmm. that we can read Mark and inwardly digest what God's word is telling us. And Paul prays that way in Ephesians right. Ephesians 1 he says I pray that, that God would open up the eyes of your heart so you could see the hope to which you've been called to. Right. Mm-hmm. And and you know but there is a there is an aspect that we you know it's in one sense it's nebulous because we can feel compelled to do certain things. Uh, the Holy Spirit does influence us and maybe will get us up to pray about something or, you know, to, you know, think about somebody. You know, those are still activities of the Holy Spirit working on our conscience. I think that because sometimes we, we do use have the a, word prompt, that yeah. we felt prompted by the Spirit to engage in mm-hmm. a certain way. And, and that's not the wrong language to use. Nope. Um, you know, but when we say, I, I do think that you, what you said to godify a decision that we make, we need to be very careful about that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. at the same time, if somebody else disagrees with us, how who are we arguing against? At this point, now we're arguing against God. Mm-hmm. If God told you, how am I supposed to say, "Oh, we can't do that"? Mm-hmm. Because God said it. Yeah. Well, that's why we that's why we stick to elements in worship instead of our uh, preferences about worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. We've been looking at the State of Theology survey at thestateoftheology.com. Please go there. Take the survey yourself. It'll be a lot of fun for you and your family. We'll see you next time.